Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to UFOs Above Canada, a nighttime podcast series exploring the people, the events, and the concepts that surround the Canadian UFO experience. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the next installment in the Nighttime Podcast's UFOs Above Canada discussion series. In this episode, I'm proud to again be joined by investigative journalist and fellow UFO nut, Daniel Otis. During our discussion here, we're going to be talking about Daniel's most recently published piece, which appeared on CTV News and in which he outlined the UFO sightings that were reported to Canadian aviation officials during 2022. Additionally, we'll discuss the recent trend to classify Canadian UFO reports as laser interference. And as typical, we'll wrap up the episode with a review of some recent reports submitted by Nighttime Podcast listeners. So let's get into it. Here is my discussion with investigative journalist Daniel Otis about UFOs above Canada. Daniel Otis, uh, I, I dare say Canada's busiest investigative reporter on the topic of UFOs. Uh, before we get into our discussion, let me ask, how, how are you and how have you been since the last time you've been on the show? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back again and again and again. I, I really appreciate it. Um, a pleasure to have you here. And I, I, I will say you're much more welcome here than you are around the Transport Canada offices. I, uh, <laughs> I want to I start with that. For people who... Uh, who know your work or who have heard you on the show, um, they're they're familiar with the type of research you do, which is primarily based on scouring uh, public documents that the government releases or using like the ATIP, FOIPOP sorts of systems and I guess and, and adjacent systems to um, appeal for information from the government. I've learned since that you've maybe made some enemies within that world. But before we talk about that, tell me <laughs> about your work that you do and how you do it. And then I'll talk about the, the criticism you've received from inside. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm a journalist. I've worked as a journalist for over a decade now, written for all kinds of outlets like uh, Toronto Star, Globe and Mail, etc. Um, over the past about two years, I've been really looking into UAP UFO documents held by the Canadian government. And that work has appeared in Vice as well as uh, CTV News uh, on their website. Um, so basically, you know, part of my work uh, is scouring um, this aviation incident report database that's maintained by Transport Canada, 
which is the federal government's transportation department. So they basically have this online aviation incident database that you know contain, contains everything from engine failure to bird strikes, unruly passengers, and sort of peppered within there, you can find you know UAP UFO reports uh, dating back to uh, the 90s, actually. Um, so part of my research has been scouring through that system, looking for these kinds of reports, and then I also file uh, freedom of information requests, which we call access to information requests here in Canada, to get more details on those reports as well as to find other documents from the military and and folks like that. Yeah, and and you certainly dig up interesting stuff um, and not only dig it up but you're able to you know just as you said there dig in deeper and uh, provide readers or listeners of your work uh, an interesting view of what's happened but some people inside at least inside transport canada aren't all that crazy about your constant prying on this topic i want to read uh, an unclassified email that I, I believe you got access to this so i'll hear that story next but it it seems to be one person within Transport Canada writing to another, I guess, appealing for them to do something about you asking questions. What they say is, uh, I'm reaching out to you as I really need assistance and relief here with all these insane UFO A-tips. This has been going on for months and it's just getting worse. The last week alone, Redactit's team has had to handle 10 of these requests and the volume seems to be increasing. Many, if not most of these requests are coming from the same requester. And I can guess who that is. <laughs> I tried speaking with the ATIP office about this a couple months ago, and they essentially told me they couldn't, that they wouldn't consider any of the requests frivolous, nor did they seem to want to help intervene with the requesters uh, directly to figure out what they wanted exactly so that we might be able to provide them rather than them constantly being hammered with ATIPs. Uh, at this point, this is consuming the majority of Blank and her team's time, and it's completely unsustainable. We need to find a way to fix this as it's creating KDOR's backlogs and preventing her team from doing almost any analysis to support the rest of the program. We've become a full-time ATIP search for little green men, and it's no longer within the definition of reasonable. I'm at a loss for how to proceed, unsure if you have any ideas or if we can elevate this higher, but it's a big problem that seems to be growing. So first of all, are you searching <laughs> for little green men? Because I've, I've missed that part of your work. Uh, no, that, that is not part of my work. Um, I'm searching for documents and data, uh, that's held by the Canadian government and military, and I'm finding it. Um, I haven't okay. found any little green men, but I've certainly found uh, a great deal of, uh, you know, U UFO UAP reports. So, so give me some context on that email. It must be weird to <laughs> request this stuff and, and see them complaining about you um, well so that's that's a that email i posted that to twitter i obtained that through an information request <laughs> and that email was uh written by a very uh, a relatively senior person in transport canada which is you know the departments that i am often uh, investigating and yeah they, they and their team were tasked with looking for documents and they have been multiple times and uh this person clearly isn't pleased with it um Maybe I, I, I don't, I haven't written about this, but I can tell you that I actually had a meeting with this person. Oh. Um, <laughs> after this, after you found this email? Yes. And oh, nice. I, and I, I pitched a solution and the solution to their issue would be to proactively disclose the types of documents I'm looking for. You know, if there was an online portal on Transport Canada's website, where these documents, for example, were redacted for personal information and then 
posted every month, it would really stop the the need for a lot of my information requests it would probably be you know two hours of work for somebody who's already sitting there in an office somewhere in ottawa uh, and it would be probably a lot less time consuming than them having to respond to information requests after information requests after information requests so we had a meeting and as well as some other people from transport canada um and ultimately they came back to me and said uh it's not gonna happen Oh, so uh, I continue to file lots of requests. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they're not loving it. Uh, but, you know, I really it would be so simple if, if they were just to proactively disclose these kinds of records, redact the personal information, put it on an online portal, do a post once every month or once a quarter. You know, it, it would really satisfy uh, what I'm looking for. And, you know, I'm not the only one filing these requests. There, there are other investigators in Canada, uh, who who do this kind of work? It's not just me. Um, so really, they they would be doing themselves a favor. But that was the outcome of that. I, I, you know, I'm not going to name names here, uh, but uh, you can imagine that it was, um, you know, not not <laughs> it was a civil meeting. But you know, I, I felt a little anxious about it when you, when you see emails from somebody, uh, you know, basically trashing the whole premise of of your research but mm -hmm. it and it also indicates that maybe they have like a, a like a, a a fundamental misunderstanding of how of what you have access to if they're talking about you in this way in the very uh system that you're able to access information from like they should have known you would see that email <laughs> well they they do now um <laughs> But, you know, every Canadian has the right to file uh, information requests. And, you know, if, if you are engaging with the government, you have every right to file an information request to see what's been happening behind the scenes and how they've been talking about you. Hmm. Um, well, let's get into it here. The, the, the first thing I want to talk to you about is uh, one of the pieces that you published recently is a 2022 wrap up of interesting ufo cases that surfaced as a result of your work or at least were um, further illuminated as the result of your digging and research i went through the article it was published by ctv it was fantastic because it really shows how active of a year we had and how interesting these cases are without looking at you know so and so in a field saw something these are reports from aviators, um, uh, pilots, aircraft controllers, uh, maybe kind of summarize the piece you published a little bit and give me a, an idea of the feedback you've gotten on, you know, a well-researched piece like this on the UFO phenomenon. Yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned before, a lot of my research uh, involves this aviation incident database, which I'm constantly scouring through because it's always being updated. Mm -hmm. So I did a piece for ctvnews.ca where I basically rounded up all the unusual reports filed by professional pilots over Canada in, in 2022. Uh, so we published that on December 30th. I think there were um, 11 reports from pilots flying with airlines like Air Canada, WestJet, Virgin Atlantic, and KLM. Um, and, you know, most there wasn't anything particularly revelatory. Most of these reports are only a line or two of detail. Uh, they mention, you know, unusual lights. I can give you um, an, a few examples. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there was a, a German cargo flight from Chicago 
to Frankfurt that, quote, reported seeing lights that were moving eastward at the same speed as an aircraft. Mm. Um, you know, and going through, yeah, I said KLM, Air Canada, United, Virgin, WestJet, uh, Swoop, uh, you know, pilots with all of these, you know, major airlines are reporting things. So the, the, the story I did was basically, my most recent story was a roundup of everything that was reported in 2022 with some analysis and as well as a discussion of, you know, perhaps how aviation officials are, you know, potentially trying to obfuscate some of this data now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that. But one piece uh, of of your um, the, the recent article that I thought was interesting is uh, you had a, an expert, Don, uh, Donald Spike Cavalanche, who is a retired Transport Canada surveillance pilot who uh, had some interesting statements on the amount of work is, that is being done to uh, to investigate or perhaps shed some uh, or to get a better understanding of the various sightings. Uh, what he said is, um, I wouldn't write any of these off as insignificant. These reports must be taken seriously. And the fact that we have no real follow-up on any of these incidents speak volumes to the inadequacy of our airspace security. And I thought that was an interesting statement and a powerful statement from someone with background such as him. Now, in the work you do, as you as you said there, you're often getting just a couple lines on the sighting or the incident, but you're not really getting information on the actual investigation if there is one. And that seems to be what he's talking to um, in his quote there. But do you have any indication of how serious these reports are being taken? Uh, they're not being taken seriously at all. Um, there is little to no investigation in Canada for UAP reports, unlike in the United States, where you see active programs out of both NASA and the Pentagon. Oh. Uh, here, there's nothing. I, I did another story for ctvnews.ca a bit before this one, where I outlined some of the exceptions. Uh, I, I would say well over 90% of these reports, there is zero official follow-up or investigation. Unless we're talking about a case where there's a clear safety security uh nexus so for example if norad detects uh, an unknown radar track heading towards the continent over the arctic and uh you know and they don't can't identify it that would you know for example see them launch fighter jets uh actually there was one case of all the ones i found in 2022 there was one that did have a, a bit of follow-up in, in investigation and let's see if i can find it here for you yeah, uh, September 17th, 2022, uh, an Air Canada Airbus was conducting a flight from Toronto to New York LaGuardia and, quote, approaching the final approach uh, in a left-hand bank, the flight crew reported passing an unidentified object approximately 10 feet above the captain's window. Uh, flight crew informed uh, air traffic control but could not identify the object. Flight landed in LaGuardia without further incident. So, you know, the fact that this is happening so close to a a major airport like LaGuardia, you know, really does suggest it could be a drone. Mm -hmm. But uh, there is, I've been told, there has been some investigation on this case uh, by the FAA, uh, the Federal Aviation Administration in the United States. Um, What they've come to, I don't know, Mm because I filed a request, but I haven't received that information yet. So, but, but that one, you know, you see there's a clear safety issue there. You know, it's an unidentified object 10 feet from the captain's window. You know, that's potential collision. So you yeah, will see yeah. follow-ups in cases like that. 
You know, there was another relatively prominent one from Toronto in 2016, a Porter Airlines flight from uh, Ottawa to Toronto uh, reported a near miss with a donut-like object over Lake Ontario. Mm-hmm. That one, for example, there, you know, there was some degree of investigation because it was a safety, it was a safety incident. But really, you know, if, if for 99% of these, maybe if a pilot sees something, a light moving very erratically and it's far away, you're not going to see any uh, official investigation or follow-up. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, one topic I want to get into with you is is something that seems, at least to me, to rel- to be relatively new. However, it's coming up uh, again and again, and it's this idea of reports of laser interference on aircrafts now, or, or with aircrafts. Now, when I read your article, you elaborated a little bit on how um, this is a relatively new classification of of, of um, incident in the sky that could potentially be used as a catch-all for reports of strange lights. So maybe give me a bit of background on how the government is treating laser interference. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Um, so again, this aviation incident system that I, I look into, it's called the uh, CADORS. It's an acronym. C-A-D-O-R-S stands for the Civil Aviation Daily Occurrence Reporting no, report system. Okay. Uh, um, so K- the reports in there are usually categorized. You know, there is a category for uh, unruly passengers. There is different categ- a category for bird strikes. And uh, most of these, you know, so-called UFO reports fell into a category that uh, included the words CIRVIS, uh, C-I-R-V-I-S, which is an acronym for communications uh, instructions for reporting vital intelligence sightings. And it would be survey slash UFO. Uh, and, and they use the term UFO. Now, that's, you know, a lot of the, I sort of would search by category to help narrow things down. You know, that's, that category also does catch fireworks and weather balloons and things like that. But starting in the fall of 2022, uh, aviation officials seem to have decided to recategorize the so-called UFO reports that they've been receiving. So the first one I, you know, there is in this KDOR's aviation incident database, there is a category called laser interference. And laser interference basically means, you know, somebody pointing a laser at an airplane. 
And I, I go through all the reports that are posted every day, and there is a disgusting amount of, you know, real laser interference happening in this country where some yahoos pointing, you know, a laser at a plane going overhead. It, it happens almost every day, and it's a huge safety issue, and it's completely idiotic, you know, like that people are doing this. We had one in Halifax just recently. I'll read you uh, a two or three paragraph article about the incident. And the solution to give, and this will give you a sense of, I, I guess, the more uh, mundane reports of laser interference. So um, the the original article came out um, just after the new year. It said uh, RCMP investigating after a green laser was pointed at the flight deck of a plane landing at the Halifax airport. The incident happened before 7 a.m. Monday, January 9th, as a flight was preparing to land. RCMP Corporal Chris Marshall says that pointing a laser at a plane may seem like a prank, but is extremely dangerous and puts everyone on board the flight at risk especially during a landing. Marshall says those responsible for the alleged laser pointing could face criminal charges in charges under the Aeronautics Act, which come with a maximum fine of $100,000. So that was kind of the initial um, article. And here was uh, after they solved what, what had caused it, there was a follow-up a couple days later. It says, police say a holiday-themed projector was the source of a laser light that lit up the cockpit of a passenger jet last week as it was landing in Halifax. The RCMP said a concerned citizen living near the airport came forward Tuesday morning and confirmed that a laser projector on their property had recently been toppled over by the winds and was pointing at the sky. The Mounties say they believe there was no intention to aim the device at the approaching aircraft, which was landing, um, you know, the morning of January 9th. Um, yeah, and that's about it. But it turned out it was one of those things, you know, people point them at the house with all the lasers. Yeah. And but yeah, you also see, you know, just going through Kator, is that you see like actual people just, you know, with the handheld ones doing it deliberately too. And I guess the reason we're discussing this is because starting in the fall of 2022, uh, aviation officials at Transport Canada basically started labeling any kind of unusual light as laser interference. Mm -hmm. So th this was an aviation reporting uh, category that's meant to capture ground-based lasers being pointed at planes, which is a, a serious safety issue. But in a way, I guess perhaps, maybe, you know, I don't know, I can't get inside their minds, but, you know, perhaps it was deliberate or a deliberate attempt to throw researchers off the trail of these kinds of reports that keep coming in again and again and again. Uh, maybe it wasn't deliberate. I don't know. But, it, you know, it seems a little fishy that suddenly the the UFO category, there, there doesn't seem to be any reports in there anymore. But uh, starting in October, November, all of the unusual light reports are being called laser interference. Yeah, it, it just seems odd because it's the idea of the laser interference generally is going to be something like I said, like a ground-based laser or right. a pointer or some well, kind of device. You, which... you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the former surveillance uh, and Canadian Air Force pilot Spike. Mm -hmm. You know, he says in the article, he says there, there's a place for laser interference, but it specifically refers to and should only be used with reports of lasers aimed at aircraft. Mm -hmm. A light in the sky above an airliner, for example, does not meet the criteria, nor does a light in the sky keeping up to an airliner. If they're calling those laser interference, I think it's wrong. I mean, I, I can give you some examples. The, mm -hmm. Uh, one, there was actually one that one of these uh, reports appeared uh, about an hour or two after the article was published. Okay. Uh, we, we published on a Friday night around, I think we published around, at the time? Yeah, we published around six. 
And then around just uh, before nine o'clock, a new report was published and we updated the story. Tell me if this sounds like a laser. This is a KLM Royal Dutch Airlines flight from Amsterdam to Edmonton and an Air Canada flight from London to Vancouver mm. flying off the coast of Nunavut in the Canadian Arctic over the ocean. Quote, reported unknown lights ahead at a very high altitude. The lights were described as pinpoints and were observed at least 20 times over a one-hour period at between 10 and 40 degrees above the horizon. They were estimated at above 50,000 feet and moved in different directions. I, I mean, I think I wasn't there, but I think it's pretty safe to say if you're in the middle of the Arctic at night over the ocean it's probably not a ground-based laser it's not that's not somebody pointing a laser mm -hmm. at a plane I, I, I can read some of these other ones here's here's another klm dutch flight this is from october this is the first one the first unusual one i found that was labeled as a laser it reported a bright light above their 12 o'clock that's all it says that's you know it's just one well, line of detail above their 12 o'clock is directly above the plane yeah. um Here's an Air Canada Airbus reported a strange light um, 60 nautical miles west of, I believe that's St. John's, November 2022. Also November 22, United Airlines flight from, uh, from Washington to Zurich, Switzerland reported white lights moving left and right up and down. Last reported east of St. John's, Newfoundland. Weird. Again, over the ocean. You think this is a guy sitting there aiming at a plane? Mm -hmm. Virgin Atlantic Boeing 787 from Las Vegas to London. This is over northwestern Quebec, which is not a very, you know, it's pretty sparsely populated. They're at uh, 39,000 feet, reported seeing two lights at uh, one o'clock moving quickly to the left. A few minutes later, the same thing happened again. Here's a private business jet and a WestJet flight from Halifax to oh. Calgary uh, near the Minnesota border over in Northwest Ontario. Uh, they reported seeing one to three bright lights orbiting above the horizon, lasting for about 10 seconds every 60 seconds. Weird. And then after the story was published uh, on December 30th, uh, three more reports have come through in January, all labeled lasers. A Mexican flight from Mexico City to Amsterdam observed an unusual pattern, an unusual light pattern in the sky. Uh, this was uh, near New Brunswick. A Swoop Airlines flight from Abbotsford, BC to Hamilton, Ontario, and a cargo flight from Calgary to Hamilton reported seeing a dozen or so white lights January 6th of this year. And here's one from... Uh, Another flight reported bright lights approximately 100 nautical miles away from them. Uh, they were flying from Goose Bay, Newfoundland, and Labrador to St. John's. Huh. And, and these are all being labeled lasers. Yeah, and lasers. none of these none of these sound like what you would expect laser yeah. interference to be, like a like a punk with a, a laser pointer shining up to screw and, with the plane. This is yeah. a whole different thing. Each of the ones you just listed off. And, and before the fall of 2022, all unusual lights received that you know, vital intelligence sighting UFO designation. So this past autumn, they've just decided that, you know, these are, should be considered laser interference case. And, you know, I, it seems to me, you know, they, they had an idea what researchers are looking for. Uh, I, I asked them, I said, why, why the change? Um, I got an email from a Transport Canada spokesperson and they said um, they defined laser interference as any report of a laser interference where either an aircraft is targeted or reported seeing a laser beam or any other directed bright light source. 
in the example cited in my last article, there is a reference to lights or bright lights, which better fits the event definition for laser interference. Hmm. Okay. So if it's going to be an object in the sky that is lit, it is a laser. So I guess what wouldn't be lasers is when they actually see a craft that is not lit, then it becomes an object. But yeah, it's, it seems like um, laser interference certainly is the new catch-all that you're going to be searching under for these reports. Because again, none of what you list uh, would have been something I assumed would be resembling laser interference as far as classification. Well so, and, and, you know, maybe they'll come up with something next. I, I, I don't know. You know, they, they were doing this for about, I think they were doing it for about a month or two before I caught on. Um, How did you catch on that this was what was happening? Well, because I, I based most of my searches on uh, the categories. And then I look through the category, you know, there's, as I mentioned, that vital intelligence sighting UFO category also contains fireworks and weather balloons and things like that. Um, but I also do keyword searches uh, and that's how I started to realize that some of these reports were being categorized under this laser search so I do it I do a daily category search but every week or two then I also go in and, and search certain keywords to see if anything will come up and they did It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm going to move on to the, our last segment here. Uh, I solicit reports of UFO sightings from listeners of the show. Oftentimes I, I get them as um, just a text-based like descriptions of what they saw, where, and when. Uh, I get a couple that are voice memos um, re where they're describing it. And I want to play you three of the more recent ones that I got. Uh, get, get your in insight on. Now, I know your specialty generally lies in... Uh, digging through the data, government reports or like uh, reports sent to government from aviators or whatnot. These are from civilians, but I think they're all three of them are interesting. The first one I received um, on November 22nd, they're describing a sighting in Campbellton, Campbellton New Brunswick. Uh, it was around 428, 4.30 something when I went outside to look out our window because we had a power outage in Camelton all around New Brunswick and stuff. When I looked in the sky, there was this red hue that didn't make sense because it didn't go from the top of the sky and it didn't go from the bottom. It was like just there on one part of our town. When I looked towards our Sobeys up in the sky, there were two, I'll say, um, disc-shaped things that had lights coming from them that were orange, yellow, red. 
and they were above one another. There were two, one, two, like one on top of another. And then within seconds, the first one disappeared. And then after that, the second one followed by it disappeared. And when I went to get my camera to take a picture, I couldn't. And all of a sudden, our power came back on, which to me, it didn't make sense. Wait. My first thought is I love that there was like her, whoever that is, if there's children or their ch or their child or something in the background listening to mom make this phone call to the nighttime podcast. But as as far as the actual report, uh, when, when I hear that, I'm thinking it, it, at first it kind of sounds like she's describing seeing like the sunset, but then it gets into this like um, the two discs on top of each other moving away. Have you ever heard anything like that? Do you have any thoughts on what that may have been other than I, I guess I'm leaning maybe towards cloud formation? Well, my, my, the caveat here is, you know, I, I'm a journalist. I, I dig up documents and I, I present what the documents say. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd like to, you know, when it comes to analysis of, of what these reports are, I, in my reporting, I generally leave that to the aviation, military, engineers, the physics people, you know, the, the people who have a little more knowledge of that than me. You know, I'm good at digging documents. I, I don't pretend to be a scientist who can perfectly analyze everything. You're not necessarily yeah. searching for little <laughs> green men, like they say. Like they say. Um, <laughs> you know, the first thing, when, when she was at the beginning, when she was describing it, I, I remembered, I, I've seen, you know, reports that ended up being explained as greenhouses, where, especially now in Canada, with the legalization of cannabis, you know, there's a lot more greenhouses everywhere in the house in the country <laughs> and they have really bright lights mm. and it's actually pretty weird. I've driven along a road before at night and when it's cloudy and it just looks like this sort of reddish glow right under the, the clouds. I don't know if you've ever driven by a, one of these greenhouses. Not a night. greenhouse. We have an indoor soccer field, but it's not a building. It has like, it's almost like a big balloon over a yeah, field yeah. and and it's lit up inside. And it, I swear, it looks just like a flying saucer landed in a field when you see it at night, just the way this big dome thing is lit up. But so, but, but that was my first thought. And then she starts talking about discs. And at that point, I, I have no idea. I, I have no idea what this person saw, but it, it, it sure sounds both fascinating and confusing. Mm. Do you ever like do your work in the opposite direction where you hear a report like this and then you narrow down on a specific date and try to see what aviators may have seen? Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. You know, for example, when I started my research, uh, you know, it, it corresponded to the early days of the, uh, you know, the Starlink satellites, which, um, you know, it's an Elon Musk company. And these these satellites, when they're launched, they travel in like long trains of bright lights. Uh, you know, it's uh, anyone who studies UFO, UAP stuff, they're pretty familiar with this, but a lot of everyday people aren't. And even today, sometimes when there are these launches, people, you know, end up reporting UFOs because they see this long string of fast moving lights in the sky. I mean, the first time I saw it, even knowing what it was, I was like, whoa, it, it, you know, you, you do a double take. So oh, yeah. when I started my research, I, I found, you know, I was searching dates and places and I was able to like find a lot of correlations. Yeah, I. it, it hasn't been too common that I've been able to find, um, you know, like civilian reports that correspond to aviation ones I've already looked at, you know, but whenever anyone approaches me, uh, the first thing I asked them was like, when did this happen? And the first thing I do is check uh, this Excel database I've created of all the reports I've found. Interesting. Um, uh, the next one I'm going to play may be uh, disturbing and shocking to you because this involves a uh, sighting over Ontario. I know you're based in Ontario. 
the little green men you've been looking for so ravenously uh, maybe coming to find you. This is a November 7th report from Ontario. November 7th, 2022, I'm reporting what looked like a V-shaped ship or a fleet in formation over top of my house in St. Thomas, Ontario. Um, I'm not sure what I was looking at. I tried looking through my binoculars, and I could not see where it went. I shined my laser at it. It avoided my laser. This is not the first time I've seen this. And I do see quite a few different things over top of my house. And uh, I hope to report more for you guys. Thank you. Have a great day. So first of all, given the conversation we just had, would you say it's a good idea when you see something in the sky to point a laser at it? I, I would advise against it. You know, <laughs> j just it's, your, it's just such a safety issue. You know, you, you, can, uh, you can temporarily... Uh, you know, blind to pilot. I'm just looking. St. Thomas is just south of London, Ontario, near Lake Erie. There's actually a lot of, I've seen a lot of interesting reports from the Lake Erie area. That makes uh, sense with a name like that. <laughs> seriously. Um, <laughs> but in, in general, you know, I, I can anecdotally say that, you know, there are a lot of reports, you know, a fair number from around the Great Lakes from Lake Erie. That's what this individual is saying. I, I, I like that, you know, they started their description saying, I don't know what I was looking at. And they were mm -hmm. trying to, instead of uh, infuse meaning into their description, just trying to focus on the characteristics. Um, you know, seeing V-shaped things, people have seen things like that. Yeah, well, he, he gave the date as November 7th. And the way he describes it... Uh, as a formation that makes me think of starlink that as you had just mentioned as well if i was going to look at what this may have been that would be my first stop would be to see if starlink would have been visible above ontario the evening of november 7th uh, i've seen it myself several times and it's if you don't if you're not expecting to see a a, a train of lights in the sky especially on a clear day, it's quite shocking. And people who are involved in like talking about these reports and investigating them and such, it's um, we will often look and see when, when Starlink will be launched because we know for the next two or three days, you're gonna be inundated with sure. reports that, you know, um, that are people seeing it and not, you know, not expecting it to be there. That would be one, but then again, this person, he may have something else going on because he describes it being a, a fairly regular thing to see lights above his house. But who knows where, like where exactly he is and what, what would be passing over top his home. Not far from him. Uh, I guess it was last summer, me and my wife, we rented a um, little cottage right on the water there on Lake Erie to have a nice summer getaway. Beautiful, beautiful down there. Really nice beaches. Uh, but we were talking to the owner of the Airbnb and he said one of his neighbors down the line saw something coming out of the lake there once. So <laughs> who knows? You know, well, that um, sounds like the beginning of a great movie. It's like, you know, this UFO researcher writer takes his family for a quiet weekend at Lake Erie. <laughs> uh, turns out something is seen leaving the water and he's, you know, seven years later, you're still down in there in that cabin writing in the basement. Uh, um, <laughs> well, the beaches are fantastic there. You know, on a hot summer's day, you, you can think you're in the Caribbean. It's just really, really nice place um, to take the family. <laughs> so, 
Next one, I, then the next and final one I have also sounds like a movie. This is a November 15th sighting of 2022 from Winnipeg, Manitoba. And this one's interesting because it involves like sunglasses and the effect that they have on the object. I notice you're wearing glasses, so I, I don't wear glasses. Maybe you can provide some insight on what may be happening here. Yeah, um, this was the morning I was uh, in the city of Winnipeg and uh, had my I had my sunglasses on and I looked up in the sky and seen something. There was a guy there with me. So I gave him my glasses. I couldn't see it with my bare eyes. I only could see it with my sunglasses. There wasn't a chip on my lens or anything. It was hovering in the clouds. It had a cloaking device on. The guy that witnessed with me, he couldn't see with his bare eyes. As soon as he put my shades on, he could see it. I never reported this, but I wanted to because it's kind of a unique... Um, UFO sighting because most people just say, yeah, they, they ran, they seen this light and it flew away. This thing just hovered in the clouds and floated there for about a half an hour and followed with the clouds sitting inside the clouds. So, and I could not see it with my bare eyes. So I had a pair of Oakley's on and they were polarized sunglasses. So it's something to do with the polarized sunglasses, but yeah, that's my story. And, um, yeah, thank you. My name is Richard Lelliot and yeah, I'm from Winnipeg, Canada. And uh, I'd seen this around in 2015 or so. I can't remember what month and what day, but it was a clear summer day. There was blue sky and clouds. So, As he describes uh, seeing it with the glasses, not without the glasses, I know a little bit about photography. And in photography, we use polarized filters that allow uh, your camera to or allow you to kind of manipulate how the reflections of light uh, interact with your lens. And they do the same with with glasses. You can have like a polarized lens that I don't know what the purpose of it is, but I wonder if that would be something that would allow the polarized lens would allow him to see the cloud in a different way than, you know, without it. Well, that maybe it, would explain it, it. It's, it's possible. I, I, I wish this guy told us a little more about what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Um he used the term cloaking device. So he was, he, he was approaching the experience with an idea of what he thought it could be. Mm -hmm. But the, the pull that you know, we was talking about wearing the sunglasses. My first question until he explained it, were they polarized? Um, if you have a, a polarized lens on your camera, it turns, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it go out, if you own one of these, go out today and turn it and look at the clouds. It's going to change the way the clouds look mm -hmm. as you, as you turn it. And it, it does uh, to a certain degree, uh, it can cut through glare and reflection. I have polarized sunglasses. Uh, when I go on canoe trips, they're great when I'm fishing because I can, you know, I can see some of the fish uh, when otherwise uh, the glare off the water wouldn't allow me to. Yeah, that's uh, that's one trick with polarized uh, lenses on a camera. You could you can kind of control how much reflection you see in the water. So I could take a picture of a lake and have it be a complete mirror of the sky with a twist of the lens or of the filter, I can see right through the reflection down to the bottom of the, you know, of the, of the lake or pond. And same goes with reflections on cars. You can use a polarized lens to make it so the uh, a freshly polished and waxed car is reflecting the sky, or there's no reflection. You just see the color of the vehicle. So yeah, see, look, I've never really thought about the effect that a polarized lens uh, on sunglasses would have on seeing uh, an object in the well, sky on a sunny day. I've definitely used a polarized lens. Like I, I've done a lot of photography for my journalistic work. Mm. And, uh, you know, I definitely sat there and had a polarized lens on my on my camera and turning it and watching the clouds, you know, appear and disappear. Uh, so that's interesting. I've never heard of a, another report 
civilian report or otherwise that uh, included that concept. But that's mm. that's that's a neat one. But anyway, um, I'm sure more of these are going to come. Every time I have you on, I, I get a lot of reports and feedback afterwards. So to make it easy on people, I'm going to post links to your stuff in the description of this episode. But for people who want to find you and follow what you're doing, where should I direct them? Where's the best place to find Daniel Lotus? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DSOTIS. Uh, I have a personal website, danielotis.ca, um, and that has all kinds of stories. Again, I, I've been working as a journalist for over a decade, you know, so uh, this has been a, a lot of my other works there, a lot of the work uh, reporting I did overseas on environmental and human rights issues and things like that. Um, you can also search me up on Facebook, uh, but yeah, and you can email me at otisstories at uh, gmail.com. Uh, always happy to hear from folks. And particularly, hey, if you're listening and you were one of these pilots who filed one of these reports uh, this past year, uh, reach out. Uh, all If anyone wants to be anonymous, that's always respected. Uh, I'm just always looking to gather more and more data so we can you know, keep shedding light on the fact that these mysterious reports are happening. Nothing's really being done about it, you know. In fact, it seems our government's trying to minimize uh, some of these unusual sightings uh, just by calling them laser interference. I, I think it seems more like official interference to me. Um, so, you know, get in touch. And yeah, Jordan, thanks for having me. I want to thank you for joining Daniel Otis and I for our discussion. But before we part, let me give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Daniel for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to Monty Data, who contributes the music for this episode. But lastly, and most importantly, I have a massive thank you to every one of you listening to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, the best way to pitch in is by subscribing to the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed, as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full back catalog of nighttime episodes only on the premium feed. Now, also on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers, Rashley, Kitty, and Muffy. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it by way of a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. And one last thing, if anyone listening has any story ideas, wants to give feedback on the show, or would like to contribute a voice memo to be aired in an upcoming episode, you can do all that more at nighttimepodcast.com contact. I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.